The snap is back. The kick is up. The kick is on the way. That kick is good! West Virginia wins it on a walk-off field goal from Josh Lambert on the final play of the game. He's possibly the most well-known voice in the state of West Virginia. Chase sets a cross screen, tries to break Staten free. Staten makes the catch. Staten's over midcourt. Staten takes the ball to the left side, spins, shoots, layup, shot, good! 3.9 seconds to go. West Virginia leads. Kansas throws the ball down the floor. Perry Ellis makes the catch. Shot is up. No good. Rebound, West Virginia. Carter, the ball game's over. West Virginia's won the game. Yes, Tony Caridi is our guest today. He's the play-by-play announcer for both West Virginia football and basketball. And, of course, along with his play-by-play duties, Caridi is also the host of Metro News' Sportsline and a great and very funny podcast, Three Guys Before the Game. And in today's episode, we discuss several topics from his favorite memories to what he thinks about before he hits the airwaves for every game, as well as his impressions on Neil Brown and Coach Huggins. So we think you'll learn a few things about Tony and the Mountaineer program with this one. But without further ado, let's get to it. Mace, hit the music. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. CJ here, Cooper with me, as always. Good morning, good morning. We've got a a person that I I like to call a friend. I don't know if he necessarily calls me a friend, maybe just somebody that he knows out there. Tony Caridi. Tony, what's TC? What's going on, man? Are we friends? Can 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 we say we're friends? I would certainly All right, consider we'll you a friend. Good deal. I would certainly consider you a friend. <laughs> Obviously, I've known you for a while. You were uh, buddies with my son. Yeah, sons. That's true. And so, uh, sure, I, uh, I, uh, you hold a special place in my heart. <laughs> well, good deal. Well, we can get into some of those, uh, the more emotional connections <laughs> that we have later down the road. But fun fact about Tony Creedy, he has a dog named Charles Barkley. How is old Charles doing he's doing quite well thank you I'll tell him you asked um (laughs) he is uh he's nine years old right now went to the vet last week for his annual and uh clean bill of health gets about four miles in every day and so so far so good for uh for for Sir Charles we're very pet friendly on this podcast and and the story goes that you you didn't want a dog right and then your wife kind of talked you into to it and you made a bet on some plane trip or something like that and then lo and yeah. behold, you, you get this dog and, and you've loved charles barkley ever since very good that's the that's the <laughs> reader's digest version so and that's so i'll give it to you really short before you guys were born uh we were landing from the fiesta bowl in 88 in pittsburgh the weather was terrible and we had it a um i guess you call it an aborted landing and they pulled it back up and things got dicey for just a little bit because there was a plane on the runway. That's why we had to go back up. But it was a huge oh, plane. So it kind of it kind of shimmied and shaked and made a lot of noise. So my wife, we just had been married a couple months. Uh, she got a little nervous and I said, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. I said, uh, we'll get a dog. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I never really wanted a dog, never had a dog. Long story short. 
I finally gave in after 25 years and <laughs> Charles came in to the world and it's been absolutely fantastic. And I will have a dog. I would think forever. Yeah. Well, uh, you're lucky you didn't like promise like a horse farm or something. <laughs> yeah, something wild, yeah. yeah. Or elephants or a llama or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. We'll get a giraffe. We'll get a giraffe. Don't worry. Oh, good deal, man. So you, you're just getting back from the Maryland trip and, you know, unfortunate how that game turned out. But do you kind of like going back to these places that you know well from over the years, although you don't go to Maryland every other year now? Uh, that could change down the road. Who knows? But you know, do you enjoy going back to these places like College Park that you've seen and know about well, but maybe don't see so often now? It's neat in the sense that when you walk back into those places, you've got memories of games. And mm -hmm. you're right, for West Virginia and Maryland, you know, they played every year from the late 70s on until, you know, into the 2000s. And so when I do go back there, I do remember, you know, some unbelievable games that pop back into your head, the wins and the losses, some fantastic plays. I think for old-time Mountaineer fans, the 72 game, that was well before me, uh, Danny Bugs returned to punt with eight seconds to go in the game to give West Virginia the lead. So they'll, that's always cherished. You know, we've won there not all that long ago with a walk-off field goal. Um, I remember, you know, uh, a tough loss or two there as well. So, yeah, a lot of memories. And so it is kind of interesting when you do go back to those places. Those are the things that come to mind. I was going to ask you, Tony, um, and first of all, it's, it's really, really cool for me to speak with you. You know, I grew up, uh, my dad, you know, we're all, my entire family is West Virginia fans. We all went through the, went through the school and then just hearing, you know, like hearing your voice on the radio in our garage is, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty cool for me to be able to speak to you. And you just mentioned it though. My question is like, you know, you've called at this point, you've called thousands of thousands of games, basketball, you know, football, do certain plays stick out to you that like you can almost remember vividly? I mean, after season, after season, after season, thousands of the games, can you still like vividly remember like, like, wow, that one play or something that you even said in that moment that you felt like really captured like the mood of that environment, does stuff like that still stick out to you? I'll answer your question in a second, Cooper. But first, my question to you is, why am I relegated only to your garage? I'm not allowed to go into your house. I mean, what was the situation? Is that, hey, you can stay in the garage. Don't bring him into the house. Was there a problem somewhere along the line in the Zimmerman family? Or how'd that work? That's hilarious. No, we're, we're woodworkers, so we're always out in the garage. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, absolutely is the answer to your question. There are certain plays that I'm sure I'll never, ever forget. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's uh, there's those moments. And perhaps some of them are remembered by a lot of people. And then there may be some that it didn't stick with. But for me, you know, I've mm -hmm. got a, a bunch that we can kind of go through. Um, you know, the, the, the Madison Square Garden Big East Conference Championship uh, that West Virginia won in basketball as Deshaun Butler, you know, made it his his personal pilgrimage uh, to hit those last second shots. You know, those all stand out. I think one of the greatest that I'll never forget was also in the Big East tournament when John Beeline made his first run and that team went to the Elite Eight. And that was Mike Ganzi getting fouled with less than two seconds to play against Villanova. West Virginia had never been into the semifinals, let alone into the championship game. And Mike got fouled under the bucket against Nova. And the entire Madison Square Garden crowd stood as he was getting ready to go to the foul line. And that 
venue to begin with is special, even when no one is in it. And then to have it sold out and everyone standing, it was like a wow. Yeah. Um, you know, that stands out football wise, you know, just off the top of my head, Phil Brady with the fake punt to win the Sugar Bowl. Um, Owen Schmidt down the sideline against Ooh. Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, the craziness of that Orange Bowl against Clemson. Um, the 88 game in which West Virginia finished its undefeated regular season and then did the lap around the stadium and not a person had left the field that night uh, as West Virginia celebrated 11-0 before it went to play in the national title game. Uh, I, you know, there's also a play that stands out to me. Major Harris in 87 when he was a red shirt freshman. Mm -hmm. Every week he got a little bit better. And we had a game and he ran a play off left side at home and he took it out on like an option look and he just took off and he started to juke and he started to jive and he started to move. And to me, that was like, if there was a bell or a light that was going to flicker that I'm here and I'm not going away, it was that play. And from that play on to me, it seemed as though he played with incredible confidence. Wow. Uh, you know, we've had last second wins 93. Uh, we win a game at BC to go undefeated and yep. Eddie Hill goes up and catches an unbelievable pass. Um, just again, that's just scratching the surface. So right. long answer to your short question. Yes. Yeah, some of those are just etched in my mind. Yeah. The, the one uh, WVU beats Maryland in overtime. We were just talking about the Terps um, there in, in Morgantown. Oh that yeah. That was fine. Yeah. You know, one of those big ones against Maryland, they had our number for a while when Rich was here and the late Chris Henry yeah. caught a slant touch um, on the push car center side of the stadium to mm -hmm. win that game yep. and, and whistled the ball high into the air. And uh, yeah. And, you know, Pac-Man Jones, incredible punt return at BC, a lot of memories against Boston college. Um, so we could go on and on. Yeah. That, that think, actually, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think of yourself, I mean, you're, Maybe you don't, because if you're, I won't say, I won't give you humbleness, but maybe you'll say, well, I'm not a part of it. I'm just like, I'm a bystander. I'm calling these games. But for the fan experience, you're every bit as a part of the games as the players are, because you're our vehicle in which we experience it, especially if we're not watching it on TV, we we can only hear it, right? So like, we're, you know, you're, it's completely through the ears and we're, we're living it through your eyes and we're hearing it through your voice. Do you think of yourself in the context of a journalist slash entertainer, or do you think like, no, I'm purely a journalist. I'm here reporting on the game or to some degree, do you feel like, you know, like I'm, I'm almost like entertaining these folks as they're listening in to West Virginia sports. I think it's a combination of what you just said. I think it, uh, the entertainment part of it's probably the, the smallest. Right. I think the, to me, the information part of it would be the larger part of the equation. And the largest part of the equation would be the documentation of what's happening. And so by that, I mean, you know, my personal thought is I'm here to as well as possible explain in specific detail what's happening. And I do that by attempting to describe the game as if every listener was blind. Mm -hmm. And my goal is that if someone is sightless and I can still make them 
appreciate and understand what is happening at that moment than for those that can see, they will see it. And for those that are sightless, and we do have a good number that for whatever reason have lost their sight through the years, they know what a field looks like. They know what a court looks like. And so if I can do that job to describe it to them so that they can then see it again, then it takes care of everything else. So that's my first goal. Mm -hmm. Second goal would be to try to provide context, which is the information aspect of it. And then from an entertainment standpoint, um, that is not on my agenda. However, things do happen during the course of games where something can be made light of and it can become funny, but that's my least. Now on my talk show, it's probably... Uh, reversed (laughs) in the sense that it's more information and then comes entertainment. Mm -hmm. And the other aspect of it, the journalism part of it is probably not as prevalent as the other. I would think that would probably be the the best way to describe that. That makes perfect sense. I remember we just did a show, our Friday night football show uh, last week, and it was Kenny Bass and I, Mark Martin was running late from coming back from a game and Kenny, Kenny had said something at the very end of the show. He said, you just can't take this profession too serious, get the information right. But when something's funny, laugh. And when something, you know, is emotional, show emotion. Like don't forget to be a human, even when you're somebody that's supposed to be non-biased or non-partial. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that um, as you were kind of alluding, you know, earlier Cooper, We don't know that it's happening, but when it's straight audio, uh, emotionally, uh, the voice does something to someone that is listening over a period of time. And I do think that you get a much deeper connection as a result of that. I think that we're starting to experience that now uh, with folks that listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. You know, you get this relationship with whomever it is that you're listening to. And so you really, truly believe that you've got a great feel and understanding as to who they are. And so when they do meet you or, you know, you come across them or they come across you, they really intimately feel that they know you. Um, and, And so I do think something happens in that audio aspect of the relationship. Uh, that uh, that's unique and special. What is up, guys? This is the Mountaineer Roasting Coffee Break. What's stopping you right now from pulling out your iPhone and going to mountaineerroasting.com? I can't think of a single thing because if you do that and you use code MEDIA15, you will save 15% off delicious roasted coffee. They fly it in from all over the world. They hand roast it in West Virginia. Rusty and the crew up there said, hey, look, we're going to give your listeners 15% off if they use code MEDIA15. That's M-E-D-I-A, number one, number five, and you save 15% off and you can get it shipped right to your house. It's delicious. It's great coffee. Go to mountaineerroasting.com to order your coffee right now using code MEDIA15 to get 15% off. Thank you, guys. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, and let me ask you an off-the-wall question because I know uh, you know people are familiar with your voice and hearing you talk about sports. Your voice is one of your biggest assets, like we're talking about. Do you proactively take care of that voice? Do you drink hot herbal tea? Do you <laughs> do you like honey? Like, is there is it literally in the profession? Is that like a thing to like really be all right? Like whiskey you know, and cigars. 
Yeah, yeah, cigars. Yeah, some guy. Yeah, some guys do. Uh, some guys do smoke to give them that a certain voice. I don't have it. Um, on my voice. So if you go back and listen to my voice when I was younger, I can't listen to it. It was bad. Pull up some and, of the old high school basketball championship game tapes from. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know exactly who I was trying to be, right. but it wasn't me. And I think that happens a lot, to be quite honest with you, when people start in this business. And I think what happens is they hear other broadcasters and they think, okay, that guy or girl has made it. And so that's how it's supposed to sound. Right. So I do think that you could get yourself down to a road in which you try to sound like other people because you think that's the way it's supposed to sound. Mm -hmm. And I just had this conversation with a current WVU student last week because he was doing it. And I said to him, Hey man, I've been down your road. And so I don't know. I think what happens is this, that after you do it a certain amount of time that you finally get so comfortable doing it, that you become who you actually are. Yeah. And as a result of that, that's your sound. Um, so the worst thing you can do is try to sound like somebody, which I did. And the other thing is you have to understand that you don't have to have the greatest voice in the world. All you have to do is have a listenable voice. Mm -hmm. If your voice is listenable, it is fine if people can listen to it. And so you don't need to sound like a million bucks. You just need to have something that's pleasant to listen to. That's huge. I mean, obviously, we all know CJ is a sports reporter on TV in Charleston. I mean, I'm sure there's some people listening to us that are maybe aspiring folks, personalities. It's important. Hey, look, be, be yourself. Don't try to sound like, you know, Chris Berman just because it, that's become popular. Sure. Be yourself. And that's, that's a pretty good piece of advice for really anybody in their career. Yeah, this is such a repetition based business that that's the single most important thing for someone that's trying to do this is you just cannot get enough repetition because there's probably other professions, probably surgery would be one of them, but it's really hard to simulate doing what this is. And prior to video mm -hmm. games, you know, you had to wait for a football season to happen. And then if you were really lucky and you go crawl into some stand somewhere and get a tape recorder and do a game into a tape recorder, like at best, you'd have 10 chances a year to do a football game and improve right. yourself. However, with video games, the unintended consequence of video games is that they created not only a great time to have fun and play in a video game, they created the greatest simulator for play-by-play -play announcers wow, that's cool. unintentionally. And crap. so I taught a play-by-play -play class for a semester at WVU, and that's what we used. And we would get Madden, and we did the NFC Championship game, and it allowed us to let the students do game charts to prepare, right? It was yep. the Eagles and the Cowboys. And so they got all the prep normal. And then here's the greatest thing. You can do that game. Like I said, you could do 10 games in a season. If you were lucky before video games, you could do that game. You guys know this 25 times in a day. Yeah. Just think about the reps that you get. And so yeah. if you can do that, then you could even do, uh, you could do NBA two, you could do 2k. You can do, you can get a lot better FIFA. 
You want to do soccer. So that has really tremendously helped. I think people get a lot better early on because they can rep that thing out. You just put the Nat sound on, you take the midfield camera perspective and you just go. That's crazy. I never (laughs) thought about that as a training tool. That's incredible. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. Yeah, no, it's very cool. And, you know, and, and you just hear it more too. I mean, you hear more play by play, just even listening to those video games. So, um, well, Tony, let's let's walk through your career. I think it's uh, actually a fascinating story. You, you're a, a kid that you grew up in Buffalo. You graduate from Syracuse, and then, well, the Buffalo area, right? Were you in Buffalo? Were you? Yeah. Oh, about uh, thirty miles away, Lock yeah. Lockport, New York, on the Erie Barge Canal. So that's why you get Lock Canal Lock. Okay. So it's like Gasport, Lockport, Spencerport, Brockport, all the port, Middleport. And I right straight down the Erie Barge Canal. So I was in Lockport. Interesting. It's fascinating facts here today on the podcast. Bet and, you and, never uh, thought we'd get into the Erie yeah, Barge Canal. Not where did I you? thought this would go. <laughs> not where I thought this would go. But you graduate from uh, Syracuse. You take this job. You, you tell the story that Hoppy Kirchival is the guy that hires you. It's a coin flip between you and another person. You're the heads or the tails. I don't know. But you get the job nonetheless. And you, you wanted to be six months, right, in and out of Morgantown. Uh, you you didn't want to spend another couple of years in another college town you wanted six months in and out and you know you stick around stick around stick around and 10 years after that you you take over for jack um you know when you reflect on that time does it uh kind of just shock shock you a little bit like wow it, it was definitely worth it at the time because i see where i'm at now to to have made the decisions that you made yeah um so just to go put it into a little bit more of perspective context, I think back in that day, you just immediately climbed the ladder. And so you would just make these quick little pop moves, like go someplace for six months and go to the next. So what happened here was the, the uniqueness of Morgantown and specifically West Virginia Radio Corporation at that time was that was right at the time that they were going to create the Metro news radio network. Mm -hmm. And so right when that happens, that was, I got here in 84, they start talking about it in 85. There's a reason to stay. And they named me the sports director when it started in 86. And I took over the talk show in 86 and Hoppy Kirchival got a little bit too busy and he couldn't do features for the television show for the coaches show football. And so they said, do you want to do this? And then they said, hey, do you want to do color on our delay football broadcast? Because back then, they, there were not many games on live TV. Mm-hmm. Football season guys would have, we would have five or six games that weren't on TV. And so we would do those games live to tape, and they would play those back at 1130 that night of the game. Mm. Wow. And so I got to do those, started doing color, then went to play-by-play. And that's like, uh, so we're talking 86, 87, and then 88, you know, with, with major and that run. And then got the opportunity to do Mountaineer basketball. We would do those live on the Mountaineer Sports Network. So kind of consider those like, well, how could we even do league games back then? So that was probably another dozen or so games. So I was doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Then opportunities came, freelance opportunities came, which allowed me to be in Morgantown, still work for West Virginia radio, still do MSN stuff, but then freelance out. 
So on football Saturdays, I would work Monday through Friday in town, and then I would leave and I would do the Westwood One, which was then the Mutual Radio Network Game of the Week. So I'd fly around doing those games, and it was really good. And I would do basketball, and I started doing syndicated stuff for basketball, Atlantic 10 Conference Game of the Week. Yep. West Virginia was in the A-10 back then. And so long answer to your short question is that I was doing what I wanted to do, and there was always a reason to stay. But I still never had anticipated that I would stay, and I never thought that, Jack, I would be the person – you know, I, factoring, I, I never thought that I would become the WVU play-by-play announcer. I thought I would come here, get a good, good a very good experience, and then go to find wherever that was. I wanted right. to do play-by-play. And um, so continued to do that in 92, 93, 94, doing those games, and it worked well. And then Jack got sick in 96, the very first game of the season. We opened at Pitt, and mm-hmm. Amos Zerway's first game, and I think Jack did – he finished that game. He may have done – I think he did the second game. And then from that point on, I did the rest of the football games that year. And 97 did the, just took, took all of the games, football, basketball. So time, as you guys have always heard, time goes quickly. And so at that point, it just made a lot of sense. My kids were little. Uh, Michael was um, born in 91. The twins were born in 95. And so it made great sense to be here because more than half of our games every year, football, basketball, are home. And right. rather than every, you know, you freelance, every game's on the road. And so it just, time goes by, man. And all of a sudden you look up and it's like, oh God, it's 2021. <laughs> so, uh, and, and you guys, you'll hear it and you'll laugh about it now, but like, you'll also have that, holy heck, where did that go moment? <laughs> and, right. uh, and it does happen, man. So um, Cooper and I were kind of talking about this off air a little bit. Bob Hertzel did a story on you. Why Tony Caridi is not the voice of the Mountaineers. He did that story Jeez. last year. That's a, it's a bold statement, but he was basically saying that Jack had the title forever. And then, you know, you kind of just took over after the Jack that didn't necessarily um, not make you the voice of the Mountaineers, but he was just saying, don't forget about Jack, I think was kind of the point of that tale. Yeah, no. So that's totally cool. Actually, the title was retired in 1988. They gave Jack that title in 1988. He is the voice of the Mountaineers. Well, yeah. well deserved. Jack was 40 plus years, and he wasn't just a great West Virginia announcer. He was a great sports announcer. Not just good. He was great. Yeah. And West Virginia was fortunate to have him. And so when I started doing the games. They go like, well, you, you know, the title, I said, like, I'm the last guy in the world who cares about a title yeah. um, in anything in life. Like, I don't like people say, well, what's your title? I, who gives a crap? I don't <laughs> know, man. I just like come to work and I do stuff. Like, yeah. what do you need done? If that's what yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. I'm like, some people get all excited about business card titles or what it says. I'm the last guy in the world. And so like, they said, well, you can't be the voice of the mountain. He was like, I don't care. I'm just like, what do you call it? I'm the play-by-play announcer. Fine, whatever it is. But that title absolutely belongs to Jack. Not only was it 40-plus years, it was 40-plus great years. And that is when radio was at its absolute heyday. 
Right. Uh, that's what you call, you know, that was black and white radio and television wasn't around and it was must listen. And so that was the glory, glory time of radio. And so that's fantastic. I was fortunate enough to get to know Jack, worked with Jack and uh, absolutely, you know, learned a ton from him and had fun with him. And uh, it was great. So I've got no qualms whatsoever, you know, whatever titles are. No, and that really wasn't even where I was going with this. It was more or less about this generation of your kids and and us. You're yeah. the only voice that we've heard, though. You know, so it is unfortunate in a way that the only way that I can listen to Jack Fleming or anybody is old YouTube clips. But it, I'm sure that has set into you like there. You were the only voice some people have heard. For me, know, for sure. I mean, yeah, like West you, Virginia I mean, football and, and basketball. Yeah. I didn't even yeah, know it was kind of, technical... Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's weird. I don't think about it, to be quite honest with you. I realize it now um, if you just do the math, right? So what is this, 26 years or something like that? So, yeah, I totally get it, um, but had never really spent much time thinking about that. I didn't know it was a technical like term almost, like the voice. I didn't know it was like that. Like It was like a, a, a name thing, like you said, but, you know, here we are. You're, well, you're I tell you, I tell you, we we West Virginia handled it a little bit differently. West Virginia handled it, I think, the right way, mm-hmm. and totally deserving uh, was Jack to have that title. Mm-hmm. Some schools, you know, they just like whoever the next person is, like automatically you become that's it. <laughs> you just take over. So it's a little, it's a little bit like Kleenex, right? And so <laughs> I, I, I like the fact that WVU, you know, said he's the voice of the Mountaineers. That's it's that's awesome. How cool was it for you to see players? Do you ever catch up with players that, you know, 10, 15 years ago that you called? Like, I mean, is that pretty cool to see these guys go from being boys when you're watching them perform? And then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, you're like a grown man with like a family now. Like, is that is that kind of surreal to see like, yeah. maybe when you run into them at different games or functions? Yeah, you know what? Absolutely. hundred percent, because you're right. That to me is one of the most, if not the most intriguing thing about this is to watch these young people come in as young people and then mature into adults. And, you know, I've already called games with the children of players that I've done their games. Like John Ray's son is here now. John's from GW uh, was a tremendous offensive lineman for the Mountaineers. And his son is here now as a true freshman walk-on. And John, uh, so, and he's just one example. And I've done games, you know, of other kids that have gone on to other places. I think it's going to get stupid old when that time comes where I go like, that's so-and-so's grandson. Like when it gets to that point, then that's your like, holy cow moment. Right. So, uh, yeah. So that's, it's part of the deal. It's, it's fun. It's interesting. Hola friends, Cooper here for another quick break here on the Mountaineer Media Podcast and I want to talk to you about our partners. These are not your traditional ad reads that annoy you and that are not relevant to your life. These are our partnership announcements and we have two that I want to talk about. Let's start with Ray's Rub. Ray's Rub is an original West Virginia recipe that has like 21 different components. It's a family recipe from Brody uh, Prudnick. He's a great guy. His father started it decades ago and he's carrying on the legacy and it goes great with beef, chicken, anything else you're cooking. So go to Amazon and it'll be at your house the next two days, I think. You can order it maybe the next day, depending on where you live, 
order it it's delicious again it goes on everything and it's called raise rub so search that on amazon and a big bottle for 15 no it's not even that it's 12 dollars for a huge premium bottle that you'll just have flavorful food for months to come so get that out it's a lot of grilling this summer and uh, you'll be the guy or gal that impresses everybody with the raise rub so let's also talk about mountaineer employment solutions do you need a job because if you do, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't go over to BeAMountaineer.com. BeAMountaineer.com is where you'll find information about the different openings that they're working with small businesses on. So whether that's a general labor, dental hygienist, you know, whatever it may be, go over there, see if they can find a job for you. If you're also listening to this and you're like, you know what, Cooper, I don't need a job. I'm actually a business owner. Great. That's beautiful. Do you have to hire employees? Boom, Mountaineer Employment Solutions will help you do that. They will hire them. They will do the admin work, the payroll, the background checks, all the nitty gritty stuff that you don't have time for. They will help you do that. So again, same website, go to beamountaineer.com and get a conversation started with Julia or Bill or any other team members over at Mountaineer Employment Solutions and they will help set you up. They're incredible people. They're employing West Virginia and they're making dreams come true in the mountain state. So we're so appreciative of Ray's Rub, Mountaineer Employment Solutions, and of course, Mountaineer Roasting Company and Mr. B, because these are not our ad reads. These are our proud partners. We truly, truly believe in that. They support us, and we want to pass this value along to you and your family and your friends or whoever the heck else you think uh, would find this beneficial. So put them onto it, bmountaineer.com, shop Ray's Rub on Amazon. Sorry for repeating, but it helps you remember it, and they're awesome, so please support them. All right, guys, I will quit rambling. Let's get right back to the episode. We won't keep you too, too much longer, but let's kind of talk about this era of football and basketball. Um, Coach Brown, I, I think that was a win higher when they made the move, and maybe fans are upset about a loss to Maryland here, but your impressions of Neil Brown through two years and one game? My impression hasn't changed and my impression's not going to change, I yeah. don't think, at all. And that is that he is perfect for this job. Absolutely perfect for so many different reasons. I think he is the new age of coach that you have to have to be successful in today's game, which has had the most significant changes in the game's history with the transfer portal, with NIL coming into an existence, and with everything that's going on, uh, coaches now, he's got that fifth quarter program. And that is just one piece of the totality of how you have to coach nowadays. Uh, this is as much from the old days of physical and be tough guy. Uh, this is the full 360 now that not only requires the physical, but it requires the mental health of the student athletes. And then, as I mentioned, fifth quarter, what happens after? Because whether they want to admit it or not, the reality of it is that a very small percentage of players that play college sports go on to play professionally. And for those that do, and you guys know, the length of career is on average, you know, three-ish years. And so you better have another plan. Right. And I do think that from that perspective, He's done a great job of building that program. In regard to the X's and the O's, uh, I, I think that he's 
tremendous as well. And I know that people are disappointed uh, about what happened in the season opening game. I totally get that. However, um, I see the pieces being put together. I see this recruiting class that is coming together. I look back and see what he has done in his previous stops. Um, look at his numbers statistically of the change that he brought about at Kentucky. Look at what his offense was ranked at Texas Tech. Uh, when they were there, they were a top, you know, it's a couple categories, they're top five, um, top 13 total offense. He beats Oklahoma. As a head coach, he beats LSU. He beats Nebraska. Um, everything is positioned and in place. We pissed that game away against Maryland with the turnovers. And again, we're in process mm -hmm. and the, the horses are still uh, coming into the stable, so to speak. And we're going to be good again. And I don't have any doubt in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're spot on too with the the whole new. I don't think I've heard anybody describe him like that, but it's I've like observed him obviously just from a distance, um, honestly just via social media and through the media. But like, it does feel like he he just simply like gets it of like the next generation. Like you see him like hosting like all the guys over at his house for like you know in the pool when they're playing games and like it, we just had the guys from VPO, the former um, you know football players that founded the whole the company that they're going to work with West Virginia on name, image, and likeness, and like the fact that the school is being a little bit like progressive in that sense of like taking care of their guys and thinking about things a little bit differently than you would, like you said, a coach that's just like barking out orders and, you know, they yeah. have no idea where they're getting their food at. Like, no coaches nowadays are thinking about like their players, health, their mental health, their financial well-being, you know, where they're come from, what kind of people they become after it and leave the program, you know, are they advocates of the school or are they supporters? Sure. So I, I, I like Coach Brown. I mean, I, I think it's uh, – but I liked, your, I liked your description of him as well. I think he does fit that role. Uh, what about Huggins? We actually – and honestly, Jay, when we're going to pop this out, but we actually had a surprise episode with Huggins. We finally got him on the podcast. Uh, um, we had <laughs> Hasn't been released minutes. yet either for wait, anybody wait. that still has not Why, been. Why, you guys still editing? What's, what's the story there? <laughs> well, Messerly, we emailed Mess back in March. He said, uh, <laughs> give, a, give me a little bit of time. Hugs usually says yes on Monday – of this week here in September, he said, Hey, you got 20 minutes. Hugs is ready. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like literally out of nowhere. So <laughs> hey, Hugs just got done doing his uh, podcast for QVC network. He's ready for you guys now. Yeah. yeah that's about it. That's about right. Yeah. But so, I mean, Hugs, I mean, like, I mean, I'm sure you've built a relationship with him. I mean, it was cool for us to get to speak to someone so legendary as Hugs, but what's that been like just getting to know him over the years? Did he whisper when you interviewed him? Did he give you his whisper? I told you, look, I hope if he ever listens, you know, don't get mad at me, hugs. But I said it's kind of hard to do a podcast because I it, I was trying to fit into his like level of like, you know, like tone and vibe. And it was I felt like I was just coming in a little bit too hot and loud. And then hugs was like, I, well, and I I'm tried to open excited. I, I tried to open with a joke. He didn't laugh. There was no, <laughs> no engagement whatsoever. Yeah, it was like, wait, yeah, let me tell you something. I, I wish you would have told me before. I could have given you some tips. <laughs> number one, number one, I'm sure what happened was the three to five second pregnant pause he gives you after you <laughs> asked your question. You guys are looking at each other like, can he still hear us? Sure. Like, expect yeah. that. And, and, he is one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet, but you have to attack him in order to get him going. Like if you just like let him play his Johnny Cash, like slow mumble game, he'll give you Johnny Cash, slow mumble. You got to go like, Hey hugs, like, let's go. Come on. And so uh, him up a little bit. trust me, he is the most 
him and Neil, he and Neil, they know exactly what they're doing when it comes to media. And Hugs, Hugs is one of the all-time great symphony conductors of all time. <laughs> Trust me, whatever he wants to communicate, he communicates in his own special way. Don't ever let that not be known. Man, I love it. Yeah. Oh, he's the best. I mean, uh, my buddies at Cincinnati is the play-by-play guy. So we talk when Hugs got here, and he said, you're going to love him. He'll be the best. And he has been. I mean, yeah. it's going on, um, this is 14 years. years. 13, yeah. He just 14. got done with 13. This is 14. So, yeah, he's absolutely the best I've ever worked with, easiest I've ever worked with. He's a funny dude, man, and he's a piece of work. And uh, he, you know, but he is also, he's the last of an era. Uh, he has definitely. changed without question. He has definitely changed um, with his coaching. Right. But you won't, I, I say this way. He can coach now because he's changed, okay? But guys in the future won't be able to coach like Hugs coached when Hugs was younger, mm. if that makes sense. It does, yeah. um, Hugs completely reads the room now and understands how to get um, the best out of his players and always have. That's always been one of his greatest attributes. But he's learned over the time period that these ways have changed. And so hugs couldn't be the hugs that was the hugs when he was at Walsh, Akron, and Cincinnati, yeah. because that's not going to work anymore. Um, people will run from that. And now he knows exactly what buttons to push. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's a great honor to think, consider this guy's that he's going to the hall of fame at some point, right. so hopefully rather than later. And basketball wise, we basically had two Hall of Fame back to back coaches. That's so hard to do. Uh, but yeah. John Beeline is going to be a Hall of Fame guy. Yep. Mm -hmm. Hugs is going to be a Hall of Fame guy. And so uh, Don Nealon obviously is in the Hall of Fame. And so we've really been, you know, fortunate at WVU over this time period to have uh, some of the great coaches, not only in school's history, but also in the history of the game, if you're making right. a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And TC, we're lucky to have had you on as well, man. So. I tell you what, it's my pleasure. I, you know, I did uh, when you started reading me that guest list, CJ, that you guys <laughs> yeah. have already had. Impressive, I mean, huh? holy yeah, heck! Yeah, oh, yeah we've been. We've, yeah. Well, here's the thing: when you get people to talk about West Virginia, I, no one's told us no. We just now we haven't like we've reached out to like Steve Harvey, and we've just never penetrated their, you know, their administrative team but like when you get people to talk about west virginia people have been you know john chambers brad smith you know the guy who captured pablo escobar like steve murphy like crazy people and but it's all west virginia it's like you know what there's a sense of like let's just talk about the state that we love and it, it's pre pretty cool to see and hear from all these people and uh, what's your line you, you Tony, included, what's your line? there's a west virginia there's, always, there's always there's always a west virginia connection you know there's a player from morgantown high on long island <laughs> get out of here I yeah didn't yeah there is <laughs> yeah there's a player from and and so yeah there's always a west virginia connection obviously one of our assistant coaches was at long island but there's a player from mhs uh, that's on the long island team so there's uh tons and tons of connections i think i think that we should do a podcast talking about you guys yeah, i mean God. cooper 
I mean, you're pissing away more money than you know what to do with with hedge funds. CJ is the walking example sportscaster that's coming through coming through the hard ranks. I think we should interview you guys. Yeah, well, by all hey. means, man. Anytime you need us, our schedules are well. We're pretty busy, so you. Better. CJ, how come we couldn't talk about how come we couldn't talk about your tardiness early in your career? I thought we were well, going we to get into that. We can do that. So I will say, Tony, you you are probably the biggest reason that I got my first job, the job that I still have here in Charleston at WCHS. You called who? I don't even know who you you called. Probably Mark Martin and and maybe a couple other people. I don't know. But you got me this job, and it has been the best thing that has ever happened to me. Getting this job in Charleston was, I mean, could there's not a better job in the world that I could have taken to start out of college. But yes, there was a time where I may or may not have been in trouble a couple of times, and that uh, me keeping that job was a little bit in question. So, you know. You're right. I did call, but then you almost screwed me and you, (laughs) you you kept screwing up and I went like, wait a second, wait a second. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. You were this close to getting whacked. I mean, this close to getting whacked. And how long have you been there now? Four years. That's freaking awesome. It's been a great four years. Oh, that's good. those first six months, man, it was close. I was getting it. Close. You guys are beautiful. I mean, yeah, I'm not, uh, you guys, when it comes to time and being on time, I think what happened to you guys, younger people, you never really learned how to tell time. on like those clocks that have hands <laughs> on them. Right. You the guys just don't understand. Like everything is digital time for you. And for whatever reason that doesn't process. So when someone says, get your ass to work at eight 30, like nine 30 does not work that way. Right. And so yeah, that yeah. was your problem. Yeah. You've corrected it. You've gone back to an analog time system yeah, yeah. and you're good to go. <laughs> well, enough. God bless if we ever had to use like a map. I don't I don't think I could. I legit couldn't get places <laughs> if true. I had to use a map like GPS. Yeah, is, you're right. You're right. So. But no, no, seriously. I mean, tell me seriously. Thank you. You are. We do. We do hold you in regards with all of our guests as a incredible advocate for West Virginia, influential people in West Virginia. You're and so you've been no doubt probably a part of how, you know, millions of people have listened to your voice and you've brought them much joy listening to the Mountaineers. So um, yeah. th- thank you greatly for coming on. And, uh, you know, we will obviously we'll be staying in touch and uh, look forward to some good years ahead of some Mountaineer sports. The pleasure has been my guys. I do uh, really do appreciate it. Wish you guys the best. Whatever I can do, just let me know.